Good morning. Welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. We're glad that you're with us here today, whether you're in person in our traditional sanctuary or joining us from upstairs in our modern sanctuary or online or listening to our podcast. We have several ways to worship together, but we're one church with one message serving the one true God. And we are glad to have you here in this season of Advent. Uh, it's the four weeks that leads into Christmas, and Advent is a Latin word that means coming or arrival. And we will celebrate the arrival of Jesus on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, that very first time. Uh, we also know that Jesus is with us now, and we look forward to the arrival of Jesus, the coming of Jesus in the future when he comes back uh, at the end of time. So lots of exciting things, and our theme this year is prepare the way for the Lord. It's based on a study by Pastor Adam Hamilton. It comes to us right out of the Bible in which we're looking at the life of Jesus' cousin John the Baptist whose job was to prepare the people of Israel for the coming of Jesus. And so in our lives, we're, we're really kind of wrestling with what does it look like today for us to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus this year. So glad you're here to be a part of this. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time looking in the Bible at John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we're going to continue some of that today. Uh, I heard a news report this week about a man in Florida who decided to rob a Walmart, like with a gun, armed robbery, but unbeknownst to him, he picked the absolute worst day in the world to do that. He went into this Walmart to rob the Walmart, and it was shop with a cop day. So all these local folks were with police officers to buy gifts for children, and so this guy walks in to rob the Walmart, and all these cops are there, and of course they arrest him. Right. I'm pretty sure that's probably one of the biggest regrets, if not the biggest regret of his life, right? If you picked up all days to rob somewhere, cop a cop day, right? So, um, and that, you know, that is funny, right? You think about that, like, that's just terrible, and uh, we can laugh about that. But there's also a more serious and a sad side, isn't there? Like, what drove a man to be that desperate to go in to commit armed robbery? Um, did he have mental health issues? Uh, was he just so desperate to provide for his family that this is the only way that he knew was left to do that? Right? We don't know, right? but it's just, it's funny on one hand, absolutely, but on the other hand, it's serious and it's sad and it's tragic. And I'm guessing that this gentleman has a lot of different regrets in his life. And I'm guessing that many of you have not committed armed robbery. Um, but I'm guessing that we, like that man in Florida, we probably all have regrets in our lives, don't we? We do. We're human beings. We make mistakes. And so in our lives, what does that look like? What, what do you regret in your life? If you could go back in time and change some things, what would that be? What regrets kind of still haunt us or haunt you that, that we carry around kind of like baggage that we love to let go of. Well, if you have regrets, and I think we all do, then we're in for some good news today because we're going to see that in this story of John the Baptist as he prepares the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, that there's hope for all of us who have regrets. So stick with us and let's see what the Bible can teach us today about how maybe you can let go of some of those things that might still haunt you in your well, we've been looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, this married couple. He was a priest. She was the daughter of a priest. And they had been praying their whole lives, this married couple, to have a baby. It never happened. They're in their old age, and suddenly an angel shows up and tells them that their prayer has been answered, and they're going to give birth to a son, John. 
And John is going to be a very special young man. He's going to be the one who prepares the way for the Messiah, for Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. And so John's mission is to prepare the way for the Lord. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. John's been born, and now John's a young man. And so let's pick up with the story and see what happens with him next. So we're going to be starting out here today uh, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1, verse 80. And the child John grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. All right, so John grows up. He goes out in the wilderness uh, in Israel. It's kind of like this rocky desert that you might imagine. Uh, and it's interesting. Like we've been hearing all this stuff about Zechariah and Elizabeth, John's parents. But we're not going to hear about them anymore. And so if you're like me, I'm curious about some of the things that the Bible leaves out. What happened to Zechariah? What happened to Elizabeth now that John was born? Uh, some say that maybe they died because they were so advanced in age that as their son grew up, they just they passed away. Others think that maybe they dedicated John to God uh, and let him go live with some of the priests, which has happened in the Bible before. Samuel in the Old Testament was an example of that. So maybe they, they turned him over to the priest. He's this miracle baby. He's going to prepare the way for, for, for Jesus. And then there's some others who think, uh, some scholars that think that maybe John became uh, one of the Essenes. They were kind of a monastic group in Israel. Uh, and they lived out in the desert and uh, they, they worshiped God and they were, were kind of like monks, right? And so uh, that was kind of the location where John was. And so maybe that's where he was. They lived in uh, a place called Qumran. Uh, they wrote down the Bible. Uh, you may have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, like the oldest copies of the Bible that we have. Uh, they're the ones that wrote those and kept those. Uh, there, here's a picture of Qumran. Uh, and that cave right there that you can kind of see on the left-hand side is where they found some of the um, more prominent Dead Sea Scrolls. And so you see how it's a rocky wilderness, desert, kind of a place where John might be. And so got a list here of just some similarities between these Essenes uh, and John the Baptist, and so maybe maybe he was with them. Let's look at this list of similarities, right? So they, the Essenes and John believed that the Messiah was coming soon, right? The Son of God, the Savior, right? That they sought to fulfill Isaiah 43, to prepare a way for the Lord in the wilderness, right? Uh, they practiced baptism for purification and forgiveness. They shared their possessions with the community, they ate and dressed simply, most did not marry, uh, and they had a radical devotion to God. So maybe John was an Essene, maybe, right? It, it would make sense. Uh, but there was one major difference between the Essenes and John the Baptist. If he was an Essene, maybe he went rogue uh, and did his own thing. The Essenes wanted to get away from things that they considered to be sinful. So that's why they left and they lived out in the wilderness and they, they had these very strict rules. It took years and years for you to prove that you could be part of this community. And so they didn't want to be around anything that was sinful. But we're going to learn that John welcomed all people who others considered to be sinful. And he wanted them to come to God and he wanted to lead them to God. And so he didn't isolate himself from those who had sin in their lives. And so the Essenes did. So this would have been where John might have broke from tradition. Uh, so maybe John did, maybe he doesn't. But it, 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 it begs a question, even today, and I've got this up here on the screen here, is the church a hospital for sinners or an exclusive club for saints, right? 
the Essenes were trying to do God's work, be these monastic kind of folks, get rid of all kinds of sins, but they became kind of an exclusive club. It was hard to get in. You had to spend years and years to break into that group. Right, so today in the church, are we supposed to be like that exclusive club that keeps all sin out? Are we supposed to be a hospital for people who are broken and need God's love? Right? In the Bible, it describes people who follow Jesus as saints, even though we're not perfect yet. That's the label that we have. But we're not supposed to be an exclusive club. And we all, even though we follow Jesus, still wrestle with sin in our lives. So I think the church is more kind of like a hospital for sinners and saints all together, right? And so something for us to think about. It's not supposed to be an exclusive club that keeps people out. Well, let's keep going in Scripture with John and his ministry as he's now an adult and see what happens next. This time we're going to shift over to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, right, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his path. So John's saying to people, the Messiah's coming. The Son of God's coming. Judgment's coming, right? You need to get ready. Get yourselves right. John's passionate. He wants people to, to be ready to, to, to be ready with God, right? And to get rid of all the junk and to be ready to be in a relationship with God, right? So we can continue with verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey, right? So just imagine that image of him wandering around in the desert, uh, and this is not accidental. If you remember, we've been looking at how John and Jesus are fulfilling prophecies in the Old Testament. And we've looked in the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament. And a lot of Malachi is pointing to John and pointing to Jesus. But Malachi says that the one to prepare the way for the Lord was going to be Elijah the prophet from the Old Testament. If you remember the story, he was the one that the fiery chariot came down to take him into heaven. He never died, right? He just got in this fiery chariot, went off into heaven, right? Elijah's supposed to come back and prepare the way for the Lord. But we've learned over the past couple of weeks that God changed the story. He changed the script and that John takes Elijah's place. But guess how Elijah dressed? Camel hair, all that kind of stuff, right? Leather belt, right? So John is really this new Elijah figure. So Old Testament, New Testament links that, that we're seeing here. Well, let's keep going uh, with the scriptures and see what happens next. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Before we get to scripture, pop that back up. Uh, so John is talking about the word repent, okay? So that comes from a Greek word, which means to think differently afterwards or to change your mind or to turn away, right? So John's saying, you're going in a wrong direction. You need to turn around and turn to God, right? Maybe you're thinking something that's not right. You're doing something that's not right. So John's saying to repent, right? His message is to turn, to turn around from whatever it is that's leading you astray back to God. Right, another uh, scripture, uh, that ta uh, word in the Bible, is sin, and it comes from the Greek word hamartia, and it means to miss the mark. Right, so if you, this is an archery term, right? So if you're shooting a bow and arrow and you're looking at the target, right? If you miss the target, you miss the mark, it's hamartia, right? So in our lives, God has plans for us. He has a direction for us to stay on the path. And when we get off the path, the word for that is sin, right? And so if we sin then we're supposed to turn back to God and get back on the right path. That's John's message. 
It's like God loves you. He doesn't want you to get in trouble, doesn't want you to, 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 to hurt yourselves, to hurt other people, doesn't want you to bring guilt or shame into your life, right? So if, if you're going down the wrong path, change your mind, turn around, right? Begin to think differently, begin to act differently, turn back to God, right? So we have these, these words that, that the Scripture teaches us in there, right? So with our next slide here. Uh, some other people who lived out in the desert, some other monks later than the Essenes, racked their brains about this hamartia and sin, and they came up with what's called the seven deadly sins. They said that everything that you can do wrong in the world goes back to one of seven categories, okay? So it can either be gluttony, lust, greed, indifference, like, hey, I don't care, uh, anger, envy, or pride. So in your mind right now, just think about some of the things that you're struggling with, some of the things that you wrestle with. What sin do they trace back to, right? Which one of these or multiple one of these are we wrestling with? If John was here today and he was talking to you, what would he be saying to turn away from in your life? Right? And here's, here's the goal here. We're going to go back to Malachi in the Old Testament, again, pointing to John, pointing to Jesus. This is the goal, right? God says, return to me and I will return to you. Whatever path you're going down, when you get off that path, when you stray off that path, it's not too late to turn around and turn back to God. That's the goal. That's, that's the goal that we're doing. Okay. All right, let's get back to the scripture now. And we're going to be in Matthew's gospel. And it says that people went out to John from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the capital, right? It's in Judea. It's a region, kind of like a state. Uh, and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, There's the Jordan is a river, right? So there's this rocky desert in the heat, but they have this source of water, this river, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River, okay? So they're going out. They're going to see John. They're confessing, hey, this is what I've done wrong. I'm sorry. Um, and then let's keep going uh, with the scripture. Uh, but then he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are the religious leaders of the day. And they came to where he was baptizing and said to them, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, right? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, right? So John's welcoming all these people who have, you know, kind of missed the mark, baptizing them, saying turn back to God. But then the religious leaders come out, and, like, he unloads on them, right? I found this meme online. I think it's pretty funny, this picture. Happy Advent, you brood of vipers. <laughs> I was watching Home Alone with my son Nathan this weekend, and you remember the line in that, keep the change, you filthy animals, right? That's uh, what I think that John's saying, right? Happy Advent, you brood of vipers, right? He's really angry with the religious leaders uh, because uh, in that day, you know, we looked upon some of the, some of the religious leaders were, well, they were pretty much hypocrites, right? They said one thing and they, and they did another. Another Greek word for us today is the word for hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrite. It, it really means an actor. Right? And an actor back in the day would wear a mask. Like you, would, you would personify some other person in a play. Right? And so John sees these religious leaders as actors. You're supposed to be following God. You're supposed to be holy. You're supposed to be doing the right thing. But you're just wearing a mask, and, and you're not doing that. Really, there's something broken inside of you. You say to do one thing, and, and you do the other. And so John also says to even the religious leaders, get your act in order. Which means even those of us who follow God and love God, we sometimes mess up too. We sometimes wear masks. We're sometimes hypocritical. We're still sinners in our lives even though we're considered saints. I know it's kind of weird to think about that. 
But then when you go to Luke's gospel, uh, Luke's talking about the very same story. And in that gospel, John doesn't identify the religious leaders as the vipers. He says it about everybody, right? So I think we all agree that somewhere in our lives, there's brokenness that keeps us from being in good relationships with other people and with God. And John's saying it's not too late to turn away from that and to return to God, okay? So then the people say, well, well, what does that look like? Because John said, you need to bear some fruit. You know, like a tree has fruit on it, right? It, it's a good thing that produces. Like when we repent, we don't just change our minds and our hearts. We're supposed to change our actions. And we're supposed to live our lives differently. Like something has really happened inside of our hearts that makes us change our actions. And so the people then ask John, well, what does it look like to live a life of repentance? Uh, and this is what John says. Uh, let's, let's see what he, he's, he's pretty specific here in Luke's gospel. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share the one with, one, with who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Right. Let's keep going. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Tax collectors were not popular people in the first century. They're not popular people today, but uh, they, were, they were worse in the first century because they worked for the Romans who were outside. They'd taken over Israel, and they'd charge all these taxes. And the local tax collectors would add on fake taxes so that they'd get more money. They'd pocket that, and then they'd give Rome what they owed. So they're notorious for cheating people, right? So even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to. Stop ripping people off, is what he said to the tax collectors. And a couple more verses here. Then some Roman soldiers came. Right? This is interesting. Right? John's Jewish. All these people coming out to John are Jewish. These are Roman Gentiles, non-Jews, coming out to hear his message of repentance. Very interesting. Soldiers were very powerful. They could, they could take whatever they wanted, and the local Jewish people could do nothing about it. Right? Because they just get killed. Right? So some soldiers came, and they asked John, what should we do? Right? We want to get in on this repentance. We want to get in on this thing with God. And he replied, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And the soldier could come up to say, give me some money, or I'm going to make something up about you, and I'm going to hurt your family, or I'm going to hurt you. John says, stop doing stuff like that. Right? Turn around. So what does it mean to, to repent? What does it look like to have fruit of repentance? John is very clear. It's not just changing our hearts. It's not just changing our minds. It's changing our behavior. And John very clearly says that the fruit of repentance is linked to economics and to compassion. Right? How we use our resources and how we're compassionate for other people. So if John were speaking to us today in South Park, Charlotte, North Carolina, wherever you are in the world or, or watching today or listening today, I wonder what John would warn us or warn you specifically in your life to repent from. How are you dealing with your resources, your time, and your money? How are you dealing uh, with compassion with people in your life, right? John didn't sugarcoat it. He got right to the point, but he gave people hope. It's not too late to get back on the path. What would John be saying to us today as we think about that? Uh, we've been talking about compassion over the past couple of weeks and that um, every year we have a tradition here in our congregation that we want to give Jesus a birthday present. 
now because Christmas, after all, is Jesus' birthday, right? So it's not your birthday, not my birthday, unless you're born on December 25th. Um, but so why does Jesus get all the presents? So what we like to do as a congregation is to give Jesus a birthday present. Uh, what do you give the person who has everything already in the universe? Uh, we give Jesus an offering. We take up an offering, Christmas offering, and we give all of that money away uh, to ministries or nonprofits who are doing the work of Jesus. And we say, hey, Jesus, happy birthday. We support these folks who are doing great things for you. So we're going to do that again this year. We talked about one of our groups last week, and I want to talk about a different one today. Uh, one of our main focuses this, this year is to support uh, nonprofits who fight against human trafficking uh, here in Charlotte. Charlotte's number one in North Carolina in the top ten in the nation for human trafficking, right? Buying and selling people, human slavery today, mostly children and women who are exploited sexually. That's nothing that we want to be proud of. We don't want to be on the top of any list with that, but it's the reality. And so we're going to be giving some money from Christmas Eve offering uh, to two different groups who support fighting against human trafficking. We talked about Justice Ministries last week. Today, I want to introduce you to Dahlia Grove, and to do that, we've got just a brief video that tells their story. Let's check this out. The meaning of a Dahlia flower is to draw upon inner strength to make a lasting change in your life and to chart your own path, and that's so pertinent to what we do as an organization, to help these women grow and find that strength inside themselves. Hi, I'm Gail Smith, and I'm the founder and executive director of Dahlia Grove. Dahlia Grove is a 501c3 nonprofit working with women in recovery from human trafficking, prostitution, domestic um, abuse, and sexual trauma. We're a four-phase program where they can live rent-free for two years, where their number one job is to work on recovery and healing. Many of the women that come to us have lost their voice, lost their ability to hope or to dream that life could be different. We seek affiliates to help these women with education, um, mental health, all their appointments for their eyes, their dental. Um, we reach out to the community to just get um, the love poured into them as far as what they need. Every woman's different what they need at the time they come into the program. So we need volunteers. We need people that's gonna help us build this program up to what it needs to be. I have taught these ladies life skills such as how to set boundaries, what to let into their life and what to keep out. Um, I have taught these ladies how to distinguish safe versus unsafe people and uh, what is okay to let into their life and what is not okay. Because we do what we do, we're breaking that cycle of drug abuse, sexual trauma and jail and then they get out and they do the same thing. And so we're breaking that cycle. Your volunteering and your donations are literally changing lives. So I ask you to give what you can because we need your support to survive. So this is an opportunity to help women in our city receive the compassion and the love of Jesus. So I just would invite you to continue to think and pray about supporting our Christmas offering this year, uh, and Dahlia Grove will be receiving uh, a third of what we take up. So uh, very excited that we can partner with them and do that. So John's message of compassion, John's message of repentance also uh, was a message of baptism. That's where he got his nickname, right? John the Baptist. 
And so what does it mean to baptize? So John was down at the Jordan River, and people would come, and they would confess, say, you know what? God, I messed up. I did this. I'm wrong in this, and I'm sorry. And then John would take them into the water, and he would baptize them, likely dunking them in the water and bringing them back up out of the water. And the water symbolized that God had forgiven them, that God had washed away their sin. God had washed away their guilt, washed away their shame. And so that's what John did. Uh, and it's just powerful symbol. And he said, but Jesus is going to come, and he's going to take it to a new level, right? He's going to baptize you in ways that I cannot baptize you. And so when Jesus came, he, he made baptism kind of the rite of passage, right? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, once you've given your life to Christ, then the logical thing to do is to be baptized. It's an outward symbol saying, I have given my life to Jesus. But it's also very powerful that when you, we, we are baptized and either immersed and we come up or we're sprinkled or the water's poured on us, what it symbolizes is that we die to our old self of sin and we've been born again into Jesus, this new life, this new start, right? And so Jesus takes it up even a notch from what John has done. I want to be real clear that, right, we're not earning our forgiveness. We're not earning our salvation. It's a gift to us from God. But what baptism is, it's a symbol that we have surrendered to God, that we've turned back to God, and we've received his forgiveness, right? It's a conscious decision, and that baptism symbolizes that. And it's powerful. It's a powerful thing for those who've been baptized. Uh, it's amazing, right? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? What, what are we dealing with? Uh, it's one that rhymes today uh, that hopefully you can remember. Advent is a great time to repent. Advent is a great time to repent. It's a great time to turn away, right, from the, the missing the mark, going down the wrong path, and to turn back to God. Advent is a great season to repent. We say that with me? Advent is a great season to repent, right? So I want to invite you to think about doing two things as action steps to respond to this message today, right? The first would be to repent, right? To say, God, this is where I've blown it, right? Confess, this is what I'm doing wrong. This is where I need some help. This is where I need your forgiveness, God. Help change my heart, change my mind, change my behavior. I want to leave that behind. God, give me the strength to do that. Please help me to, to make that turn, right? And then, right, we can be baptized. If you've never been baptized, right, to, to offer yourself to Jesus, right, to receive the baptism, right, the symbolic, right, washing us clean of our sin, dying to our old self, letting Christ give us new life and a new chapter, right? If you've never been baptized, we would love to do that for you. Love for you to reach out to me. Love for you to reach out to Pastor Lindsay. We can schedule a time so that your friends and family can come, right? We'll make it a big party and a big celebration, right? If, if you've never been baptized and ready to, to commit your life to Christ, if you've committed your life to Christ and you want to have that opportunity to receive this wonderful blessing and sacrament, we would love to help you do that. And for those of you who have been baptized, right, to celebrate that, to remember that in your life. Maybe think back when you were baptized or, and to thank God for that moment. Or maybe you're baptized as a child and to thank God that you had parents that dedicated you to Christ. And if you want to do it, right, you can just grab some water wherever you are today or sometime in the weeks to come. Right, put it in the shape of a cross on your forehead and just say, thank you, God for saving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you, God, for giving me new, a new start, a new chapter, a new life. 
Or if you'd like for Pastor Lindsay or me to help you do that uh, together, we'd love to do that too, right? So we'd love to honor your baptism, to remember that baptism. And so if that's something that would be meaningful, you just, again, reach out to us to be able to do that, right? So to repent uh, and to be baptized. I think that's the message of John the Baptist. And uh, it's very clear that's a way that we can prepare our hearts for Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, what's interesting about this is, right, so John, think about this. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's out in the rocky desert. He's out in the rocky heat, right? And people are flocking to see him from all over Judea, right? The closest big city to to John's location would have been Jericho, and that would have been a two-hour walk in the desert. From Jerusalem, it would be about an eight-hour walk from Jerusalem to where John was, give or take an hour or so. In the hot heat, the rocky desert, they're also roaming bandits of robbers that could beat you up and kill you and steal from you, so it's a dangerous place to be. Why are people flocking to John, who's calling them a bunch of snakes, right? Why are they doing that? Would you do that? Why are they flocking in these massive numbers to come out and hear John the Baptist? I think it's because they're yearning to let go of their baggage. They're carrying that regret around with them day after day and month after month and year after year. These regrets, these things that they've done wrong or the things that they wish they'd done that they didn't do, they're tired of it. And they're, they're yearning to let it go and to be forgiven and to have a fresh start. So I started off today asking you, what are the things in your life that you regret? What are the things in your life that you're carrying around that just weigh you down like those, those chains on Bob Marley and the story about Ebenezer Scrooge, right? How far would you walk to let that go? How far would you drive? How far would you fly, right? The good news today is you don't have to go anywhere. Jesus came from heaven to earth and is with us now and is ready to forgive you. He's ready to wipe away those regrets. He's ready to give you a fresh start and a new day. All you have to do is turn away from it and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Give me the same fresh start that John and Jesus gave those people in the Bible. Advent is a great time to repent. Let's pray about that together.